Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Have your Bibles. I want you to go with me to the book of Ezra chapter 1. The book of Ezra chapter 1 this, uh, this evening. Over the last several weeks, we have been taking... We've been taking a journey through the Old Testament, looking at how God has called His people. We've talked about the wisdom of God. Uh, This past Wednesday night, we talked about how uh, that that God is calling His people again to repentance. And tonight, we're going to conclude, we're going to conclude this series on... on our on the Old Testament and looking at the Old Testament, uh, and we're going to be talking about tonight um, about restoration and revival. I want to talk to you tonight about restoration and revival in this in this series that we've been looking at in the Old Testament. These stories from the Old Testament, because God is in. The restoration business. God loves to take something that is bruised, broken, torn apart. And He loves to mend it. He loves to put it back together. He loves to do His handiwork. If I could say it like that. And I believe... Beyond a shadow of my, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and you probably get tired of hearing preachers talk about this and talking about everything that is happening with, uh, with COVID nineteen and stuff. But I, I truly believe what God has been doing over these past seven to eight months is the fact that He is that He is restoring a remnant of people. I believe that he's doing that. Now listen, you may disagree with what I'm about to say and that's okay. But I do not believe that what we have experienced over the last little bit uh, in its initial outset really came from the enemy. I don't believe that. I don't believe that COVID-19 was a work of the enemy. I believe God had to get the church's attention. I believe that God had to do a work. I believe that God had to restore some things in order that revival, true revival, true authentic revival could happen again among His people. See, that's the reason why we had to shut down some things. You see, right now, you've heard me talk about that I'm a statistics guy. So, do a study on the ratings for the NBA, baseball, and uh, and, and the NFL, and you'll find that all of those things are in the toilet. Why? Because they have been, in my opinion, by the hand of Almighty God, shut down. Because God is wanting to get our attentions. There are still churches that haven't opened up. 
And people have asked me, well, Brother Jeremy, what do you think about those churches that haven't opened up? And I tried to be as, I tried to be as, as, as positive as I can possibly be. But there are some churches that will never open back up simply because God won't allow them to open back up. Because as our pastor preached this morning, as he talked this morning, he said that, you know, that there were in Jude chapter 1 that we had those that, that crept in. That's what the Bible says. That they crept in. And they began to lead people astray with their false doctrine and their false ideology. Telling us that there's not a hell. Telling us that there's other ways to God but the Lord Jesus Christ. Telling us that, that we can live however we want to live because it's all covered by grace. And God, during these last times, have shut some mouths, if I can just say it like that. And so, in this process, God is restoring the church. God is restoring once again His people. When I think about restoration, when I think about revival, I see over and over again through the Word of God that He does just that. Last week we talked about the fact that He was calling to the nation of Israel. And He was calling them. He said, you, you've played the harlot. You have, you have gone against My commandments and I'm calling you back to me. And tonight, let's take a look at what restoration that brings about revival looks like. Ezra chapter 1. We're going to use this as a springboard tonight. Ezra chapter 1. Begin reading at verse number 1. We're going to read down through verse 5 tonight. Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. Now in the first in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. You see, in order for restoration to start, there first must be a call. And here we see that God moved upon man. He moved upon 
Cyrus. And he says, God has moved on me. Now what you've got to understand is that God moved in order to fulfill his word. Because the Bible says he moved on King Cyrus so that the words of Jeremiah the prophet would be fulfilled. And God moved on King Cyrus and Cyrus says, listen, there is a place in Jerusalem that is lying Laying in ruins. It is a place that has been shut down. It is a place that has been corrupted. It is a place that is in desolation. It is a place that is in ruins. He says, so now I am calling the people that knew about this place. The people who actually this place belongs to. I'm calling the people. To go back and rebuild a house for the Lord. A habitation for Him. And I got to thinking about that. My goodness. What is God speaking to the church in this day? And He has given the call. My house has laid in ruin long enough. My house has been neglected. My house has been an afterthought. We talked last week about how the nation of Israel went out and they played the harlot. And so now he is given a call to the people through a man that does not know God. King Cyrus doesn't know God. King Cyrus doesn't serve the Lord God. But God moved on Cyrus, a man who did not know him. So let me stop right here. This would be a good place to tell somebody God can use anybody he wants. And what I've learned is when God starts to use somebody, God doesn't stop by my house to ask my permission on whether or not, hey, can I use this man or can I use this woman? Because here's the, here's the real issue. A lot of the times, if it was up to us, we tell God, God, no, you can't use that person. God, you can't use this person over here. God, I know about this person. God, I know. I know what this woman has done. God, I know what this man has done. And God says, you know what? I really don't look at anything like that. I look at somebody who will obey my voice. And I know that in this day, in this hour, what I'm noticing is that God is raising up men and women that you and I wouldn't necessarily choose to get his work done. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't smell like us. They don't think like us. But God is raising up some people. Now see, let me just let me just let me just talk about this right here because we're talking about the call, the first step in restoration. You see, when God called the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and all they did for 40 years was murmur and complain. God finally had enough of that and said, You can all die out here without ever receiving the promise. And this afternoon as I was getting ready, I heard the Spirit of God speak to me and said, there's going to be many 
that are going to die without receiving the promise because they do nothing but murmur and complain. But he said, I'll let, he said, I'll let them die in the wilderness and I'll raise up a generation that'll worship me. That'll serve me. That'll be obedient to me. And so God is calling people right now. And he's speaking to hearts and lives. In the midst of everything that's going on right now in our nation. With an election that is coming up. With people divided. With the right against the left. With, with, with common sense against people who don't have common sense. And you just choose which one because they're both on both sides of the aisle. Come on, man. We got elephants that don't have a lick of sense. We got donkeys that don't have a lick of sense. And here's the thing. The fact is, is in the midst of all of that, God is saying, is there a man? Is there a woman? That will just simply stand up right. and say, hey, listen, while all of this is going on, why don't men and women come back to the house of God and seek my face and call unto me? Yes, amen. I read, oh my goodness, I'm not, try, I'm not trying to get political here. Please understand here. Because I'm talking about restoration. Amen. Listen. I read an article today that talked about, you know, well, we may not get, we may not get another stimulus check. Well, boo-hoo if we don't. Come on. Amen. Because if your hope Amen. is built Amen. on $1,200 that you're hoping to put in your bank account, Amen. and it's not in the one who owns the cattle on the thousand feet, and he is going to eat Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, and the one who says, I'll supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory. If your faith is not in Christ Jesus, the one who can take care of every need in your life, you need to find an altar and repent and say, God, I trust you today. There's a call that is going out. And he told King Cyrus, he moved on King Cyrus. So God can use anybody else that he wants to. And he said, in verse 5, he said, The heads of the father's house of Judah and Benjamin, on those who the Spirit of God had moved. You see, there are people that are not satisfied. Let me explain what I mean there. They're not satisfied with church as usual. They're not satisfied with the 2020-20 service. It's like I heard Tommy Bates say it one time. And he said, you know, we come in, have 20 minutes of music, and we get 20 minutes of an offering, and we have 20 minutes of a motivational speech because we got to get out by 12 o'clock to get to the buffet. And we don't want, we don't want, we don't want to, we don't want to tax people's time. And we don't, and we don't want to hold, we don't want to hold them. I look at it this way. If you can sit for three hours in a movie house. And you can sit for three hours in the house of God and worship Him. Oh my goodness. And God moved upon 
the fathers of the house of Judah and Benjamin. And God had already moved them because they were not satisfied. God gave them a desire for restoration, for renewal. God gave them a burden. God is raising up people in these last days that have a burden. That they're not, they're not content. They're not content with just going through the motions. They're not content with just, with just being satisfied. They're not content with living on yesterday's move of God. They're not content with what the stories that they heard their moms and their dads and their grandparents tell them. They want to see the glory of God for themselves. They want to see the power of God for themselves. They want to see the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. They want to see souls saved. They want to see deliverance happen. They want to see blinded eyes open. They want to see deaf ears unstopped. They want to see the demons cast out. They want to see families restored. They want to see the drug addict redeemed. They want to see the alcoholics sober up. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not satisfied with everything that has happened in the past. My God, I need Him today. Restoration. God is restoring in people. And it starts with the call. See, God is calling people. God is calling us. Now, here's the thing. You can... You can slice it however you want to slice it. You can take it however you want to take it. But in most churches, not everybody will answer the call. Because they're satisfied. They're content. They're stuck. And here's the thing. If you are not moving forward, by default, you are backsliding. Amen. I think I'll say that again. If you are not moving forward, if you are not closer to God today than you were yesterday, you are in the process of backsliding. Because here's the thing. So I've heard people say all the time, well, I just wish that we would just have a move of God. Sweetheart, God is moving. Amen. God has never stopped moving. God has always been moving. But it's up to you and I to get in to the move of God. Because God, my goodness, because see, God doesn't move based on our whims. God doesn't move simply because we, we, because we shouted it down. God doesn't move because we sung it down. God doesn't move because we spoke in tongues. God doesn't move because we, we, because, because we prayed for three or four hours. God's spirit has always been moving. God says, I'll always find me a people. And people will say, you know, well, God needs me. No, he doesn't because if you're not willing to do it, he'll go down into the bottoms and he'll find somebody with a syringe in their arm and a bottle in their hand and save them and fill them with the Holy Ghost and put a microphone in one hand and a Bible in the other and say, if you won't do it, I'll find somebody else. Starts with the call. It starts with our when our hearts are moved. Let me just say this. Harvest time, and those that are watching my Facebook tonight, 
If you're content, if you're okay with people not getting saved in services, you've got a lukewarm heart. If you're content without seeing the manifest presence of, of, of God in every service, my goodness, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to behave myself because we're, I'm getting ready to move on to my second point. But I, I, I don't understand where, in, and I've seen it all my life, where we treat one service as more important than the other service. We, you know, Sunday morning is the most important service. Well, and then Sunday night we come in, and you know, and that's you know, that's not nearly, that's not, that's 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 that service is important, but it's not nearly as important as the first service. And then on Wednesday night, it really doesn't matter if we show up or not, you know, because that's just really where you know, just the people that are able, you know, to, to show up, and we just come in and we just complain about how bad, you know, how bad our day has been, and everything like that. Well, we just hope that you know he doesn't preach too long, because Lord knows I got to get home and get in bed and get up and go to work in the morning. But every service, we ought to have an expectation expectation of the manifest presence of God to show up. And what He does in one service, He ought to be able to do in another service if we'll allow Him to do it. Amen? There's a call going out. Secondly, not only when the call came, Ezra chapter 3 talked about that the foundations had to be laid. In restoration, the foundation always has to be laid. You have to relay the foundations. I believe that's what God's doing in this day and this hour. That God is relaying the foundation. We talked about several weeks ago, we talked about the essentials. I've been in some, I've been in churches before and I've preached, I've been in Pentecostal circles and I've preached on different things and I've had people come up to me afterwards and they say, you know, well, brother, why would you preach on that? Because we already know all that stuff. But here's the thing, you can't have revival without laying the foundation. You see, I'm concerned, let me just say this real quick. I'm concerned that we're too busy chasing a word and not getting in the word. Come on, that's good. I need to go here so that this person can speak into me. I need to go there if I can if I can get to Columbus or if I can get if I can get to Texas or if I can get to California or if I can get here and they can just speak a word into me. And we're chasing a word. Paul said it like this. He said, they're ever learning. But never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You see, you have to lay the foundations. Ezra chapter 3 talked about that they laid the foundation of the temple. And through that, they were able to... To rejoice. Because without the foundation, without a solid foundation laid, we have no right to rejoice. And the Bible says in Ezra chapter 3 that once the foundation was laid, 
they begin to shout. They begin to rejoice. They begin to weep. And they begin to cry. What is the foundation? The foundation is Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. If we build on any other foundation but the foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, then everything else will fall to the wayside. Listen, I don't, as much as I love, and listen to me here, as much as I love prophetic teaching, and I do, I love to hear all the thoughts and opinions that are out there. Prophecy doesn't save people. Trying to find out who the Antichrist is and what the mark of the beast is and who the two witnesses are and all those. Those things don't save people. Right. You know what saves people? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. And I think that the church of the living God ought to get back to laying the foundation and restoration. I believe that's what God is doing. So God is once again re is laying down the foundation and through that, true worship can happen. I love the fact that in Ezra chapter 3, when the foundations of the temple was laid, that there were two groups of people that were there. Ezra chapter 3 says that there, were, there was a generation that was shouting and rejoicing. And then there was an older generation there that wept. And they were weeping. One generation was shouting because they never experienced anything like this before. Jeremiah would say that they were homeborn slaves. They had no reference point. All they knew was bondage. All they knew, all they knew was living under Babylonian bondage. But there was another group of people that when they saw the foundation that they had to weep because they knew what it was like at one time. They knew what it was like on Solomon's day at the dedication of that temple to see the smoke, the Shekinah glory of God engulf that place in so much that the Bible says that the priests couldn't minister there. But the foundation was laid, and the foundation was a cause of rejoicing. If we're going to be a rejoicing church in this restoration movement, we've got to lay the foundations again. Thirdly, when you go to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, in Nehemiah chapter 2, we read about Nehemiah inspecting the temple has been built. The foundation is laid. The house of God has been built. People can worship. However, there was a problem. Complete restoration had not been taken, has not happened. Because there was something else that had to happen. Nehemiah goes out and he's looking throughout the city of Jerusalem and he notices something that's wrong. And that's this. That the walls 
surrounding the city have not been built up. And there is nothing that fortifies the city from the attack of the enemy. And in this business of restoration, our minds and our bodies have to be fortified. I'm afraid that what we saw, what we have seen, is a lot of easy access for the enemy to come in and do his best work. And I'm not here to give any glory. I'm not here to give any honor to the enemy. Right. But the truth is, a lot of what the enemy has been allowed to do in the church has been the result of the fact that we have had unfortified walls. And we've taken down the walls. We've taken down the barriers of separation. Oh my goodness. See, we don't like to preach. We don't like to talk about sanctification. We don't like to talk about living right. We don't like to talk about hope because it's all covered by grace. I can, I, can, I, I can drink this. I can smoke that. I can shoot this. I can pop that. I can sleep around with these. And it's all covered by grace. No, it's not. Sin still sends one to hell. Amen, amen, amen. And we can't excuse it away. And we have to fortify our minds, think the right things. Right. We have to fortify our bodies. We have to fortify our mouth, yes. say the right things, right. do the right things. Right. And Nehemiah looks and says, this city is open to an to easy attack. It doesn't, that doesn't mean that the attack will never come. But good grief, do we have to give the enemy an advantage in our life? He said, we need to build the walls And I believe we, listen, you've got to, please understand me here. I, I, I've got to, I've just got to address this. If the only time that you use that scripture is to, well, it's the only way I know to say it, is to push your political agenda, then you are abusing the word of God. He's talking about the people of God. In church, we have to, once again, in this restoration, build up the walls. He's still calling for a separate people. He's still calling for a sanctified people. He's still calling for a holy people. He's still calling for a righteous people. We have to build up 
the walls. But here's the fourth thing in restoration. You see, because when the call comes, the foundation is laid and the walls are built up, opposition will always come. And opposition always tries to hinder the work of God. And in both in Ezra's day and Nehemiah's day, because there was actually a period of time that were there. See, when the foundation was laid, they stopped building. And that's when God moved on the prophet Haggai to speak to the people and say, Why are you building your houses when my house lies in ruin? Mm -hmm. And he said, So consider your ways. See, I think that we do everything else but neglect the things of God. And he said, there's always opposition that will come in this restoration business. And we find that in Ezra and Nehemiah. And here's the interesting thing about opposition. Opposition will come from without and it will come from within. There will always be an opposition when God starts restoring. I remember, oh, this was, I was probably 17, 18 years old. In the old Winter Haven Church of God, we had a lady come down to the altar that's bound up with drugs, been sleeping around, been doing so many ungodly things. She came down to the altar, began crying out, God, forgive me of my sins. God, help me. God, save me. And we gathered around, was praying for her, and, and, and was trying to encourage her. I had walked away and went to the back door, and was standing in the back door, and there was a gentleman that came there and stood beside me. And he stood there, I'm just going to say it like I feel it, he stood there all smug, and he said, yeah. I've seen this before. I just wonder how long it's going to be until she, until she just, until she goes back out and starts doing the things she does. See, opposition will come from without and from within. See, one thing that I've learned is, is that sometimes even within our own camp, people don't want to see us succeed. People don't want to see us restored. Why? Because we got bitterness, we got jealousy, we got anger, we got hate, we got strife in our life. My goodness, I didn't mean to preach it like this, but I'm just going to preach it. But the fact is, all that stuff will send you to hell. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh my goodness, I was reading, I was reading this afternoon. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm preaching this. I'm talking about restoration. Because we can't get to revival until restoration happens. Amen. And here's the thing. You know how God started dealing with me this afternoon about forgiveness while I was preparing this. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you know how you know if you've forgiven somebody? And I said, how, Lord? He said, he said you'll quit ignoring them. And I was like, what? And the Lord began to tell me, he said, you know what? It's, he said, it, you know, we can say we forgive. You just don't bother me, and I won't bother you, and we'll just go our separate ways, and that'll just and that'll just be it. And 
Well, and we even say the nice little cliches, but if you ever need anything, let me know. <laughs> but though we get that text message or we get that phone call, and we look down and we see the number, and we ignore, or we don't answer it, or we delete, or whatever it is that you want to call. God says, you haven't forgiven. You haven't forgiven yet. And think about it is there always be opposition when restoration starts to happen. Because you'll be building the wall and somebody will call up to you and say, hey, why don't you come down here? You know what? You really don't have to do that. You see, that's without. Sam Ballot did that. Sam Ballot sent messengers. Tobiah, all of those sent messengers. And said, hey, why don't you just relax and come down here? It's not necessary to build the wall. It's not necessary to build boundaries. It's not necessary for you to be separate. And Nehemiah would say, you know what? I'm building the wall, and I ain't coming down. Right. But if I have to come down there, can we just stand some plain preaching here? I'm coming down there to fight. That's the reason why the scripture says that they had a hammer in one hand and their hand on their sheath. Yeah. Because they were either going to build or they were going to fight. My goodness, I feel, I feel my head. And I believe what needs to happen in the church today is we need builders and we need fighters. Wow, amen. How about this? I'll fight for you and you fight for me. Yes. And we'll fight the devil. Yes. But my enemy is not you, and my enemy and your enemy is not me. Amen. We are of one blood. Amen. Oh, Praise God. God. We have all been bought with a price. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. And I've got to love you to go to heaven. Yes. You've got to love me to go to heaven. Amen. Hey, man, let me Hallelujah. just let me just shout a little bit right there. there you go. Praise God. And the enemies will also come from within. You know how I know? Because when they started building the walls, there were those that said, you know what? The king really didn't say that. Come on. And so they would go and they would say, hey, you know, these people, they're defying the king's orders. Because the king didn't say that. Oh, and we got them in the church. Yeah. Hey, did you hear what? Did you hear what pastor said? Did you hear what associate pastor said? Did you hear what did you hear what so-and-so over here said? Did you hear what so-and-so over there is doing? You know what? I don't think they should be here anymore. I think we'd be better if we got ourselves another pastor. I think we'd be better if we got ourselves another associate pastor. I think we'd be better, you know, if you if we just because but here's the thing. Lord. Help me. Lord, you know my heart. I learned a long time ago, the church is not mine. Right. And it's not yours. Amen. Amen. I, I'm going to move on from that one. I felt a cool breeze blow by my mouth. But opposition will always come in the process of restoration. But listen, even though that it comes, we can't be deterred from what God is wanting to do. Fifthly, I'm trying to hurry. 
after the opposition we see there has to be obedience. Malachi chapter 3. He says, I've called them to me. And I've told them to come to me. And then he says, Will a man rob God? Now everybody don't be grabbing your pocketbooks right now. But he said, Will a man rob God? And they said, Yet you've robbed me. How have we robbed you? They said. In your tithes and in your offerings. Now see, I've always said this. If the only thing that we regulate tithing to is when we write the check, we don't understand what tithing is all about. Because tithing is so much more. I was talking to my wife the other day about this very thing. And I said, you plant the seed in the ground for something to grow. Say you plant tomatoes and that, that vine starts to grow up. And all of a sudden there is a bloom on that tomato plant. And on that tomato plant there grows out one ripe red tomato. God says, I want that. Regardless if there's ever any other blooms on the vine. God says, I want that one. I'm afraid that when we write the check, we put it with all of our other bills. Well, I've got to pay the car payment. I've got to pay the insurance. I've got to take the I've got to buy the kids clothes. I've got to buy groceries. Oh, and I've got to pay time. Nope. That's not how God sees it. God says that first dollar, regardless if you have anything else, belongs to me. Amen. So, obedience. And he says, you've robbed me. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And he says, now try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If you'll just obey me. Obey. Amen. In every area of your life. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you out of blessing. That there's not room enough to receive it. If we're going to be restored, this business of obedience in every area of our life has to happen. Amen. We have to be obedient. And through that, through the call, and I'm almost done through the call, through the foundation, through the walls, and through the opposition and the obedience, then comes revival. Because listen to what he says in Malachi chapter 3. He says, I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such I'll pour you out a he doesn't say blessings he says I'll pour you out a blessing one thing I learned about the word of God is that he doesn't put anything in there by happenstance right. a blessing that even in that blessing 
There's not room enough to receive it. Here's the thing. You know how you can tell if what you're asking God for is the will of God or not? If you get it, will other people be better off because you got it? Amen. That's good. Yes. Hallelujah. Good word. But if all you want is more money in the bank so you can consume it upon your own lust, like we heard this morning, we ask amiss. But God blesses and pours out revival so that we can be blessings to others. Yeah. He said, not only will I give you a blessing and will be not worthy enough to receive it, but I'll even rebuke the devourer for your sake. And so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. That seed that we've been talking about, when revival happens, the harvest always comes. The harvest always, it means that seed that has been planted. That we've been hearing our pastor talk about for the last couple of weeks, that seed that we have that we have sowed onto good ground, yeah. when it at this time, because we have laid the foundation, we have answered the call, we have we have built up the walls, we have been obedient. He says, "Now I'm going to cause that seed to sprout up, right? Absolutely, and your vine will not be bare." That means that when we go out. That means we'll see souls saved. That means we'll see deliverances happen. That means that we'll that we'll see we'll see people baptized in the Holy Ghost. That means that we'll see sign, miracle signs and wonders will follow us. I don't have to go chase it down somewhere else because the Bible says if my ways line up with God's ways, then He will cause them to follow after me. Yes, God. Good. He said. And all nations will call you blessed. Thank you. See, here's the thing. Give me three minutes and I'm going to wrap this up. Right now, the world is not calling the church blessed. The world's not calling the church blessed. So there was a period of time that the church was revered, was respected, was held in high esteem. Yes. Now we can go into all the reasons why that's not happening right now, but the fact of the matter is, yeah. is that the world is not looking at the church and saying blessed. Right. But I believe that God right now in this season is restored. Amen. And through this restoration and revival, the nations of the earth are one more time. See, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to walk down here for a second. I'm looking forward to the day, Sister Shield, that they're not looking to the White House. For their answers. Amen. 
I'm looking, I'm looking for the day that we don't have to, that they're, they're not having to run to welfare for their handout. That they can come to the house of God. That they can, instead of, I'm, I'm going to say it like this, I, I thank God for doctors, I thank God for, I thank God for medical science, in some, and I believe that the fire went out. Sometimes miracles, but Johnny happen instantaneously. Humans happen instantaneously, and sometimes God uses doctors and medicine to happen to get it done. Okay, that doesn't mean that we're faithless. That doesn't mean anything like that. It's just how God decides to work. But here's the thing: I'm looking forward to the day that we'll come to the house of God before we run to the doctor's house. <coughs> There was a time that we would do that. Yes. But now we have no confidence because of the charlatans, because of the shysters, because of the hirelings. But God said, I'm getting ready to restore. God said, I'm getting ready to rebuild again. God said, I've had to set some things in order over the past seven or eight months. I had to do some things because some things, because people's eyes were not on me, they were on everything else. He said, I've had to restore some things. Yes, but after the restoration, Come on. my glory. But one more time, fill the house. Yes. Pastor, can you come and help me? Help me quit, or I'll preach another hour. Yes. Listen. Yes. Let me just say this because I believe this forever fiber. I believe I'm getting ready. What I'm getting ready to say is prophetic. Yes. And I don't say that. I don't say that like that. It won't look like we're accustomed to. I believe it. I believe it. It won't look like we're accustomed to. There may be there 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 may come a day and a time in the not too distant future that I'll lay aside the jacket and the tie and switch the blue jeans and tennis shoes. If that'll mean that somebody will listen to me. And it won't look like it does. See, in the book of Haggai chapter 2, at the dedication of the temple, that temple did not resemble the glorious temple of Solomon. As a matter of fact, the reason why some of them were crying was because they were upset that it didn't look as fabulous as the other. But then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move. And the Spirit of God began to speak. And the Spirit of God said, I want everybody to listen. You remember those days in Solomon? The glory of the Lord was there. You think that's something. The glory that is getting ready to fill this house is going to be better and far greater than the glory that was poured out on Solomon's temple. 
in the Holy Ghost is saved. After the restoration, the glory that is going to be poured out, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of opposition will be far greater than what we experience. I think of Sister Kenneth, I think of Sister Still, the wonderful stories that they can tell us of the power of God and the things that God has done in their lifetime. And I'm thankful for that. But you know what I believe? I believe for those that God will allow to restore and to rebuild some things, we ain't seen nothing yet. that restoration is happening right now. And at the end of this revival is going to happen. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I need to share this. And restoration and revival will happen regardless of what happens on November 3rd. I just felt prompted of the Holy Ghost to say that. Hallelujah. You that are watching my Facebook right now, Restoration and revival will happen in the church regardless of what happens November 3rd. Because God is still on His throne. And as long as there's a remnant, as long as God's still got people, God's glory will still be in the land. So here's what I want to ask you tonight. I want to ask you, is there anything, anything that God needs to restore in your life? What restoration needs to happen in your life? See, There's things that God has dealt with me on personally. What is God dealing with you about? God wants to restore that so that in these days God can one more time pour out His Spirit on us. Restoration and revival. Stand with me all over the house tonight. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Mm-hmm.